trying to work out what to do, you know. It's not always easy to keep thinking up messages. Maybe you've never thought of that. How come he keeps doing messages all the time? You know, sometimes I wonder what to do. Just say, so, you know, we know what I do when I wonder what to do. We just sit down quietly with a piece of paper and ask Jesus to tell me what to do. Now, that's not a bad way of getting them, is it, eh? <laughs> so how do you do that? We just listen and write. Praise the Lord. I want to just share something over two Sundays, and uh, just in the light of what I sense and feel God doing in the church. Uh, about two weeks ago, we had, uh, three weeks ago, we had Dave McCracken came, and God began to speak about a lot of changes, talk about holiness, about friendship with God, about the supernatural, about compassion, about engaging with people, about seeing God move in a different dimension. And uh, I have had in my heart just to pursue God all this year, that there might be increase and enlargement in our lives. And so I shared with you, I just felt God speak just about the whole issue of disappointment. And uh, just in the last, just the other night, I couldn't sleep on Thursday night. And so I sat up till, you know, about four or five in the morning. And the uh, Lord just began to drop some things into my heart. So I want to share a message over two Sundays. So I'll start to do, do part one today, and then I'll do part two after the Father's Day. And it'll give you a bit of chance to have a think in between about what I share and let God just work in your life. In this last week, we had a lot of several emails come where people have been deeply impacted by what the Spirit of God's doing. And what I sense God doing is, is exposing and opening up areas in the heart where people's lives have been broken, where people have been hurt, where things have come which have taken away our boldness and confidence in God. And we need to be much bolder than we are. We need to be much more confident. We have that sort of sense where we're just not in the place God wants us to be. And so I want to really work that we might break out and break into a place of unashamed boldness. Amen? Unashamed boldness about Jesus Christ. And so what I want to do on, uh, over two Sundays, I want to share on healing the wounded spirit. Healing the wounded spirit. And uh, today I'm going to just open it up and share with you uh, how people, what, what the function of a spirit of a man is and how we get wounded. And uh, what causes the spirit of man to get wounded and how it affects us. A little bit about how it affects us. The next time when I share, I'll share with you that you can recognize the symptoms of a wounded spirit. You can actually tell when someone's spirit's wounded. You can tell if your spirit's wounded. And when our spirit is wounded, we're going to look for comfort somewhere. And the result of looking for comfort in the wrong places is all kinds of idolatry and problems. And as I share some of the things that people do and what we all do to try and find comfort from pain, you'll recognize you're among them. And you'll need to do something about it because it's a season when God is wanting to heal us and he wants to bring us out of bondage to our idols, the secret things in our heart that we draw comfort from, we lean on, things that we lean on instead of the living God. So I want us to have a look in uh, Proverbs chapter 4. Let's just start off today and uh, just open up Proverbs 4.23. The Bible says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Can you just get this? It's ringing away a little bit. Just get the ring out of it. So whatever's in your heart is going to flow to your life. When the Bible's talking about the heart of a matter or the heart of a tree, it's the core of the tree. It's the, it's the part within us. And so we, we understand that God has created us. We are, are a spirit being. We're made in the image of God. We have a spirit. We are a spirit being. We're made like God. God is a spirit being, and we are a spirit being also. See, I know we're human beings, but we're primarily a spirit being in the image of God who has a soul, our mind, will, emotions, that part where our personality is, but we live inside a house. And there's the house. That's your house. 
maybe older than you like and maybe not as working as well as you like, but it's still the only house you got until you get another one. And uh, so we look after the house, the body we live in, but the life of the, uh, the, of the, uh, that we live flows out of what's in our heart, flows out of the inward man. So when the Bible's talking about the heart, he's talking about the inner man, it's talking about your soul, the way you think, the attitudes you have, the, what you feel, the choices you make. It's also talking about your spirit. And we want to just talk a little more about that. In Luke 4, verse 18, Jesus said, He came, and the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. That's to bring people back to relationship with God, to heal the brokenhearted. Some versions don't have that, but in my one it says to heal the brokenhearted, uh, to proclaim deliverance to the captives, set people free and deliver them, uh, the opening of eyes to the blind, to set at liberty those who are crushed or broken or who have been shattered inside. So God wants to heal the damage that life has caused to us. No one walks through life without experiencing painful situations. Well, if there's someone here who's never had a painful situation, I'd like to meet them. It'd be quite good, wouldn't it? See, we find no one's been through a painful situation. We've all had them. Some of them, I can see it. It's actually visible in your life. It can be visible in their life. We'll see why. And so Jesus, part of his ministry, part of the anointing that's upon him was to restore our inner man so we could function properly. If you're going to function in the realm of faith, if we are going to walk in faith, if we're going to walk and bring the life of God to the earth, the life of God flows through our spirit man. We're joined spirit to spirit to the Lord. So if the life of God is going to flow, we're going to be creative. We're going to see miracles work through us. We're going to see God's power flowing into our work, into our school, into our home, our relationships. There's got to be no blocks on the inside. And so when our spirit is wounded, we become blocked on the inside and we don't function right. We don't function properly at all. So I want you to have a look with me in Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 19. So we see that our heart needs to be guarded. We need to put a watch on it. We need to guard over our heart. We need to watch what's happening on the inside of our life because out of it, our life takes its direction. So if you're a broken on the inside, inevitably it will show on the outside. If you're in business inside, inevitably it will show up in your relationships. If we are angry inside, you'll always show up even if you try and control it. So we try to control it and bury it and all kinds of things. Except do the one thing we need to, come to God. God wants us to come to Him. So Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. Now, one of the things we need to understand is the importance for all of us to have hope. When we talk about hope, we're talking about, let me give a definition here, a hope as a confident expectation something good is going to happen. How about that? Confident, expectant, something good is about to happen. Hey? Now that's hope. And uh, we need hope. You can't live your life without hope. Now, there's some people have a kind of hope, which is fairly secular kind of hope. Well, I hope it'll be fine weather tomorrow, you know. Hope it'll be fine next week. Hope it'll have a good Christmas. Hope it'll have now. But the Bible hope is based on the character, the nature, what God is like. And so God wants us to be filled with hope. This is why, this is why when you get among Christians and they're negative and pessimistic, they're without hope. And if they're without hope, then they're without faith. And if they're without faith, they can't please God. See, the Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, without faith you can't please God. 
So in other words, I've got to be believing in God. I've got to believe in the goodness of God. I've got to believe that God is always good. He's always working with me. He's always willing to help. He's always willing. He's thinking good things for my life. And no matter what it looks like now, I can believe and have a confidence inside. It's all going to work out just fine because God's with me. My God's my friend. It's going to be great. Well, I've got a setback or two. You know, you do have setbacks or two. But listen, in the midst of it, you can be full of hope and be positive. Positive, positive, positive. Person's got hope in them is positive. And so I just, I couldn't believe just, well, I was who I determined, not going to watch any television, not going to watch any newspapers. I'm gonna, and you know, I'm so glad I haven't. I've enjoyed God. God is very positive. I look at the newspapers. They're so negative. Absolutely full with pessimism and despair. See, you read a lot of newspapers and watch a lot of television news. You won't be filled with hope. You'll be filled with pessimism, negativity, and despair. And we're not made to live that way. We're made to live positive, optimistic. And it's not because we've got a good attitude. It's more than that. It's just got something inside us. We've got a God who's the God of hope. See, and so you and I need to have that pot, but you can't make it up. I wish you could just put it on. I try to be positive, but sometimes I don't feel very positive at all. You know, you feel a bit negative at times. But you've got to find a way through that, you see. And biblical hope, biblical hope is the foundation upon which faith comes. The Bible says in Hebrews 11:1, 1, faith is the reality or the substance of the things you hoped would happen in God. So we're going to look and we're going to see how the spirit of man gets wounded. Now, persons wounded inside, they have no hope. They get filled with despair. And look what the Bible says about hope. It says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Now, you ever think, ever been in a boat? I mean, love stories on boats. But boats are great, you know, unless you're in a storm. If you're in a storm, it's a real problem. Now, we were in a storm. Remember the Wahine? Some of you old enough to know this. Some of you wouldn't, know who, wouldn't have a clue what it is. But it's in history, you know. So those who can remember, they're sort of a bit historical, you know. They sort of go back a long way. But, uh, there was a ship we had called the Wahine, the Inter Island Ferry. And the Wahine was, uh, uh, it was birthed next to us in Wellington, a huge ship. You know, it was about 12,000 tons. We were in about a three and a half thousand tonner. We looked like a little wee tin tub next to this big Wahine. Now, we went out to sea at the same time, and uh, the, there was a tremendous two storms came up from the south, and uh, we were on our way down to the Antarctic at that time, and we, got, we were caught in the middle of a storm. And in the middle of the storm, we heard the Wahine, which was so much bigger than us, had sunk. So we're out in the same storm that sank the Wahine. It wasn't a very happy, happy time, I can tell you now. And it was so severe that what they had to do in order to survive the storm was we had to put out sea anchors. So the only way you could survive the storm was to face the storm head on, to set your course straight into the storm, and then put the sea anchors out that would keep the boat stable so it wouldn't swing around. Because if it swung around and went side on, it would flip over and then the boat would be lost. So an anchor keeps you safe or absolutely holds you in place in the middle of the storm. An anchor doesn't get rid of the storm. An anchor stabilizes you in the storm. So all of us have times in our life when there's storms, difficult times, troubles, knockbacks, setbacks, disappointments. But what we need is hope because hope is an anchor that goes out of your soul and into the heavens itself and gets a hold of God and says, no matter what I'm going through, I got a great future ahead of me. That's what hope does. 
So that's why he can be positive. People can look at you and you can be positive. And Joseph's in the prison and he's been accused of rape, found guilty of attempted rape, thrown into prison, disgraced and shamed. But in the middle of it, hope that it could be different. Hey, hope, hope. What a great day today will be. Now you see, when you've got hope and it's operating in your life, you're a positive person. Now you see, hope is a spiritual thing. It's not about your personality. You know, some people have got a bit of a gloomy personality, you know, melancholic. So naturally, if you leave them without any biblical hope, they'll just swing off and they'll go down there and they'll become melancholic in the storm. You know, well, you've got to have hope inside. You've got to actually consciously anchor your life in God. So regardless whether that's your personality or not, there's still something inside. I'm anchored and I'm stable. See, because if you haven't got hope, you'll be filled. The opposite of hope is hopelessness. To be without any hope that the future could be better. You know, of all the things we need when we're going through a hard time, it's the thing inside us called hope that the future will be different. I can remember being here in uh, the Bay when we first came in 985, 987. They closed down the works in the Attackabau, closed down these other works in different places, and uh, different ones all closed down, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. They're probably about 3,000 people out of a job. It just totally affected the whole area, like nothing I've ever seen in my life. And you know what there was? There was a sense of despair and hopelessness. And the only kind of glimmer, you know what the only glimmer was? Get out, go to Brisbane, go to the Gold Coast. You could feel it in the air. It was actually a gloomy pessimism. And Ian would have remembered, we were up there and we stood up there on Timata Peak and we prayed and we spoke the word of God over the bay that one day finance would come in, investments would come from around the nations, that money would pour into Hawke's Bay, that Hawke's Bay would be different. Now, it didn't look or feel different when we were up there. It felt gloomy. But you see, we weren't looking at the natural. We're looking that one day it will all be different because we're here and we believe God and God is a good God and God can change things around. See, so hope is an anchor for the soul. And it's not just that you've got a positive attitude. It's just God has planned good things for our lives and we choose to believe He's a good God and our best days are ahead of us. Not our worst, our best isn't that great? Now you have a look today. Look at this. 70 and off to the Missionville. You can't tell me that the best days aren't ahead of you lot. The best days are ahead of you. At 70, you'll be out there on the Missionville. Instead of sitting in some retirement home and you can't think two thoughts and hold them together. You know, I don't want to be like that. I'm never going to be like that. Praise God, I'll go out in the boots. I'm praying and preaching a message, casting a demon out of someone. That's my hope. I don't hope to die old and demented. No way. Now, I know that happens, and I, I have compassion for that situation. But I'm believing God, it shall be different. Believing God for a good future. Now, I understand, of course, people do face these heartaches and sicknesses and, and whatever. But in the midst of it, God is still good. God is still good. God is still good. So whatever you're facing today, God is still good. God is a good God. He never changes. If the devil can get you to believe God isn't good, you'll lose hope. And when you lose hope, you despair. And then you quit on your Christian faith. And you know what you'll do? You'll be in such pain, you'll have to find something to make you feel better. And that's where idolatry comes. We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. There'll be heaps of us here who are in idolatry. Not the kind where you bow down to an idol, but the kind where we've got some place we go because we're in pain we don't know how to go to God. God wants us to come to Him. He really does want us to come to Him. So we'll see when we're in pain, 
The only way is to get out of it is to come to him. You, when, you, when you face crisis, when you face a painful situation, when you, you actually are at a crossroads of choice. And you make the right choice, you'll find comfort and hope in God. That's the only way through this life situations. You find comfort and you find hope. The future's better and God's with me now. Or you turn and you'll comfort yourself and you'll find some other way through the pain. Some of you young people have got issues in your life and it's just plumb idolatry because you never turn to God. And you can get out of it. You'll only get out of you turn to God. You can't stay down that path of idolatry. Idols hurt us. They wound us. They deeply wound us. Because we look to them and then they fail us. So without hope, you see, without hope, people will live in the present. Think about that. One of the real problems with today's generation is it's without hope. There's a lot of reasons why it's without hope. But I believe one of the reasons it's without hope is the absence of dads to speak destiny and a future into their lives. That'd probably be the biggest one. And so in the midst of that, they just get lost without direction. And without direction, no hope for the future. And so people get onto drugs so they can feel better now. You know, you wonder why these kids just tank up and get stoned on, on drugs. And stuff. It's because they're in pain. And there's something missing. And it's a hope for a great future. And dads need to do that. One of the great roles of a dad is to speak hope and destiny into sons and daughters' lives. The future's good. And you got it. You can make it. You can do it. You can do it. you got what it takes. You know, you need to hear that kind of word inside you. And only dads can speak it, really. I know mums can say it's not the same, see? see? Now, so God wants our lives to be filled with hope and expectation. And Jeremiah, uh, let me give you the verse, Jeremiah 31, verse 11. God says, I know the plans I have for you. So God's thinking about you. So when you got up this morning, God was thinking about you. When you go to bed at night, you have your little hot toddy, you can get off into bed and fall asleep, listen to some music or whatever. God's still thinking about you. And as the Bible says, you go, my plans are good. Good God, good thoughts. Now he wrote that to the people when they're in bondage because of sin, they're in slavery. And he says, every day I'm looking forward to the day I can get you out of here. I got good plans for you. You, and they were looking back and they see the city of Jerusalem's burned. Nebuchadnezzar's coming. He's overthrown it. Everything's a mess. The whole place is in a mess. The armies have been defeated and they're in bondage. And in the middle of it, God says, listen, listen, I got ideas. I got plans. It's going to be a good day. You know, in the middle of it, Jeremiah is prophesying about how, God, how the armies are going to come and invade the land. And in the middle of it, God says this, I want you to buy a piece of land. Just when the army's about to come and invade the land, he said, I want you to buy a new bit of land and you'll be a message of hope to the whole nation. So even in spite of the fact you're prophesying about God's judgments, the fact you bought the land means you know and everyone else will know that there's a better day ahead. And he bought a piece of land. There he was in prison. No hope for the future, possibly even going to die. And God says, buy a bit of land. How about that? That's a good advice, isn't it? Buy a bit of land. We should have done that a few years ago. You're going to buy a bit of land. <laughs> we should have done that. Why don't we do that? We should have bought a lot more land. <laughs> We'd have been right. See? We prayed, but perhaps didn't really put our faith into action enough. Praise the Lord. Romans 15, verse 13. God says, the Word of God says, Proverbs 15, Romans 15, 13. Now the God of all hope, now the God of hope, fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you might abound in hope. So God's plan is we abound in hope. That means you've you got plenty of it. You've got so much hope inside you, it bubbles out everywhere you go. So that's hardly negative, critical, complaining, moochy. 
I see a lot of people like that. Where's the joy in the life? Now the God of hope, fill you with joy and peace through believing. See, there's a way we access this kind of life. And it's found by believing God, who's a good God. And the God of hope fills you with joy and peace as you believe. You can abound in hope. It's going to go better. We've got a great future. You've got a great future. Of course it's a great future. But you've got to get a hold of God. And that means get rid of the idols that you're depending on. See, hope, confident expectation. We're in for a great day, great year, great year ahead, better year next year. Every year is a better year. Wonderful. This is God. See, now, I want you to look with me now. Proverbs 15.30. Let's get on the wounded spirit. So you see now that every one of us needs to have hope. Now, one of the problems when a person's got a wounded spirit is they lose all hope. And we'll see when God heals us and, uh, and, and touches us. There's two prime ways that God touches us. Two things he does. There are two things that God does to get us out of the problem of having a wounded spirit. One of them is to comfort us. I'll explain these a little later. One's to comfort and the other's to give hope. Comfort means someone's there in your pain. You're not alone. Hope means there's a great day coming. When you're going through pain and life's falling apart and you've just had a divorce or you've gone bankrupt and everything's fallen over and the world's fallen around you and everything's miserable in the middle of it all, you just need two things. You need comfort and you need hope. And you're going to get them somewhere. You'll either get them from God or you'll find something else. It's as simple as that. And so we either go to God and he comforts us. So we need to learn how God comforts us. And that's what I want to share in the second session on this. I want to share how to receive comfort from God. Because if we're in pain and we need comforting and we don't go to God, we will find a way somewhere else. And we're going to look at some of the ways people go. And you'll recognize yourself among them. I know I have as I've thought about it. And I've just been coming to the Lord and finding his comfort. I want to talk to you. I'll talk more about this whole area of God comforting us. It's the most amazing thing that God is a comforter. You know what the word comfort means? It means in the Bible, it means literally one who comes near alongside you and is present with you. So God, to comfort us, comes near to us. He assures us he's never going to leave us. He's with us. That's a comfort. You're not on your own. You know when you're going through pain, you usually feel on your own and really quite hurt, and the pain is bigger because you're on your own. And so when God comforts us, he comes near to us. And he comforts us. How does he comfort us? Well, when you comfort a person... You have to validate their pain. You have to be able to say, have to let the person be able to share what they feel and the pain they're in. And so Jesus knows what pain we're in. He was in pain himself. It says in Hebrews 4.15, we don't have a high priest that can't be touched with the feelings of our pain and infirmities and weakness. He experienced everything we've experienced, and so he's in a position to comfort us. See, the person who can comfort you is someone who actually has been there and overcome it. See, so one of the worst things is when you're in pain, someone comes and says, oh, I know how you feel. You think, you don't realize how close you are to a black eye. (laughs) It didn't help. It just made you more angry because you knew they had no idea whatsoever. And a lot of Christians do that. We try to comfort. We mean well, but we actually make it worse for the person in pain because we don't know how to comfort. To comfort someone, you first must come near them and walk with them just a little way and validate their pain. It's okay to have the pain. It's okay to feel in pain. Then God does something else as well. We'll share some more things about him comforting us. But he always, always, he will come near to us if we let him. Now, when you're in pain, you're going to come near to one thing or another. You'll come near to God or you come near to something else. Whatever you come near to is going to be a comforter. 
So some people come near to the bottle. Have a little drink, feel better. Ah, much better. Okay, let's have a read in Proverbs 15. We'll carry on. Okay, notice here in verse 13. It says, a merry heart does, makes a cheerful countenance. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of heart, the spirit is broken. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of heart, the spirit's broken. Now, so the Bible talks about your spirit. And it says your spirit can be broken. Your spirit, now your spirit has several functions in you. If I just give you a couple of them. Uh, number one function is your spirit is there to give your body life. While your spirit's there, you're alive. The moment your spirit's gone, you're a dead man. Spirit leaves, you're dead. There's just a shell. You went with it. So you're attached to your spirit. You go wherever your spirit goes. And so when you, the, the spirit gives the body life. James 2.26 says, the body without the spirit is dead. So your, your spirit gives you life. The second thing is, your, your spirit nourishes your life. Your spirit nourishes and strengthens your life. Now, most people don't know that because they don't even know they've got a spirit. Uh, but in Proverbs 18 and verse 14, it tells us this. It says, the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit who can bear. The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. In other words, your spirit will nurture you, nourish you, and give you the ability to go through whatever difficulties you're going through. So when a person's spirit is strong, then somehow they're resilient. They can get up and they can go for it when something's going on. But when a person's spirit's broken, we talk about having an, ever seen an animal that's spirit's been broken? And they're just, they're hopeless. Might as well put them out of their misery now. They've just got nothing in them. Somehow they haven't got a life anymore. And so when a person's spirit is broken, somehow they just can't get up. So you don't tell a person who's got a broken spirit, come on, get up, what's wrong with you, get up, get up. They can't. Their spirit's broken. They need healing. And so just telling them or encouraging them or exhorting them, get up, I'm going to help them. You see, it seems right, but actually makes them more hurt, more angry, more depressed because they can't get up because the Bible says the spirit of a man sustains his infirmity. But if your spirit's broken, then you're in deep trouble because you haven't got resilience in life. You haven't got what it takes inside you to get up and go. See, the whole life of God flows through your spirit. So if your spirit's not functioning or it's broken or damaged in some way, the life of God can't access the rest of you so you don't stay healthy. It shows up in various ways in our life. And so it's really important to understand that. And the other thing is our, our spirit enables communion with God. So if our spirit is broken or damaged in some kind of way, we've got a real problem. It says, by sorrow... See, by sorrow, the spirit is broken. By sorrow. See, by sorrow. Sorrow, sadness. Sorrow of heart, the spirit's broken. That word sorrow means a wound, a despair, or a lot of pain. When you get hurt by life circumstances, that's what can break your spirit. And that word break means literally to afflict it, to damage it. Well, get this. It means to drive your spirit backward so it can't come forth and function. You ever met some people and they're just shut down, they're passive, it's like there's no one home? You look and you find, where is the person? You know, they're alive and they're standing, but it's like the lights are on, no one home. Hello, where are they? There's no vibrancy, no life about them. Whereas the Bible says, a merry heart, when your heart's alive and your spirit's a man alive, it shows up. Shows up on your face. Eh? So you can always tell what a face. So, so when, a, when a person's spirit is uh, broken, it always shows up. Look what it says in Proverbs 17, 22. 
17:22. A merry heart does good like a medicine. A broken spirit dries up the bones. Merry heart, joyful, full of glee. That's why I get excited when I get in the presence of God. I get so excited I could scream. You just don't know how. You, you think it's noisy in here. You have no idea what's inside me. You have no idea. I get, in, I get in the presence of God. I get so excited. I just want to jump and scream. I think I might buy a whistle. I just want to blow a whistle sometimes. I just want to do stuff. I want to make a huge noise. People complain about the noise. They think, oh, God. You know, I complain about the noise, you know. I want noise. See, because see, a joyful spirit. A spirit full of glee. Oh, yes. See, now that comes from God. It's a God thing. It's not a personality thing. I was depressed growing up. Well, so it's not much of a personality then. You know, one was born without one. It wasn't much there at that stage. See, merry heart does good. Does good means make beautiful. Uh, a merry heart does good like a medicine, like a healer. Like a healer, it heals. It's like a cure. It removes the bondages. So, so when your heart is joyful, whatever you're going through, you, you recover quicker. So if, you, if you've got sickness in your body and your spirit's strong and vibrant in life, you'll recover quicker. Even they even know that. You know, you get people happy and laughing. They recover much better. That's why hospitals are one of the worst places you can be because they're so gloomy. We go up there and make such a noise we need to get thrown out. But, you know, people need to laugh in those places. I get up there, they laugh. We got no one because, it, you know, I'd only go up to the hospital in Dannyburg. They'd just point, they're down there. They'd all know what, what ward the, our, our, our women were in because there's so much laughter. You could hear the laughter all over the whole ward. Everyone laughing. And laughter is good. Laughter's good. Laughter's good. A merry heart does good like a medicine. You get to laugh, a lot of your burdens get lighter. Laughter is good. Merry heart does good like a medicine. But a broken spirit, a broken spirit dries up or withers the bones. It, it affects you in your mind. Your mind becomes dull and negative. It affects you. So when your spirit's broken, it affects you on the inside and on the outside. So on the inside, what happens is people get old and they age prematurely. Broken spirit, they get old. They're old before their time. I've seen, I've seen them there at 50 to 60 and everything's gone. There's nothing left. What, what happened, you know? It was three score years and ten. See, so, but, you know, when someone's alive, you know, in their spirit, hey, you 60, 70, yeah, ah, give it to me, come on, you know? Yeah, of course, you have to have a bit of a nap every now and then, because you, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. You've still got what it takes on the inside, you know? You know, still got plenty of get up and go on the inside, because you've got a great spirit. It's alive in God. That's why I need to be alive in God. There's no place to be sitting around moaning and groaning, complaining about your aches and pains. Oh, glory to God. Oh, you know, there's something we're called to do. See? And you don't want to finish your life on fizzle out. Dear God, I want to fizzle out. I want to get burst out at the other end, you know. A great and abundant exit out of life into glory. That's the way to do it. See? So a merry heart does good like a medicine. A broken spirit drives bones. So what happens is people get sick. And they prematurely age. And actually, when the person's spirit's broken, they prematurely go crazy in the mind. They lose their mind. See, because there's no life from the spirit. Now, I know the doctors come up with all kinds of reasons why certain things happen. But it's absolutely certain from the Bible that if you've got a high, energized, lively spirit, you actually live a much better life. And so it affects you internally and your whole way your inner life goes. It also affects you externally. See? And so a merry heart does good. You know, like a medicine. It does you good. It makes you healthy. If you're happy, laughing, you need to laugh a lot more. I tell people, come to church. They're so serious. It's crazy. What's wrong with you? You're depressed. Get out of it. Get into God. 
See, you see, now it says, a merry heart gives a cheerful countenance. So if your spirit's broken, you'll look gloomy, and actually what you look is just plum dull. It's true. Now think about that, dull. Some people look very dull. They look dead. It, because their spirit, now it's, and there's a reason for it. They look it because they are that. There's something wrong inside. Now, if I had a broken leg and I got it all in plaster, you can see you got something wrong. But if comes got a broken spirit, the place to see it's in their eyes and face. And what you see is there's a dullness there. Something's wrong inside them. And Jesus got the answer. And we got the answer, provided we got out of it and we don't look in the mirror and say, my God, I'm that dull. Look at that, dull. You know, I don't want to be like that. You want to be a lively person. Lively person, see? So it shows on the countenance. So if a person's got a merry heart, then it's, they've got a cheerful countenance. Cheerful means they're glad. They're smiling. Oh, there's a bit of life in there. They go down the street to hello to people. Smile. Some of you don't look very happy. I don't know what you've got in you. But, it, but it all, the Bible makes it clear. Whatever's in you is on your face. See? Now, I'm sure... If you just take this the right spirit, I'm sure we wouldn't need so much paint and makeup if we actually had a happier on the inside, you know? When you're not so happy on the inside, you really got to do a paint job, you know? Got to put everything on to make it all look good. But when we're happy on the inside, we look wonderful. Ever notice? Now listen, listen, come on, you think it's true. Think this through. It's true. You look at teenage girls who have absolutely kept themselves for God, they look alive and beautiful. You know, and then you see them after they've had sex with a whole number of guys, they look blimmin' hags. It doesn't matter how much paint they put on, they still look ugly. Because there's something missing, their spirit's broken. So if your spirit's broken, you'll have to pay dearly for it. You'll have to put all the paint and buy everything to do yourself up, won't do you any good. See, something's wrong, you just need to be healed. On the inside, healed, spirit healed, wounded spirit. We need to get healed on the inside. A merry heart does good like a medicine. A merry heart. Oh, yes. I just get so full of the joy of the Lord when I start talking about this. See, a merry heart does good like a medicine. You know, and so that's why I like it when all the young ones are all excited. Why shouldn't they be excited? It's, why shouldn't they? Who wants to have an attack of the blahs? You know, hope. Hope. Looking for Got a great day. Now, here's the thing. The Bible is very clear that a merry heart is good like a medicine. A merry heart, joyful heart, joyful spirit. It does good in our life, in every part of our life. But a broken spirit, it actually affects us physically, mentally, spiritually, relationally. Every part of us is affected. Now, just trying to be positive isn't going to fix it. You've got to find out how it got broken and how to fix it in God's way. Now, here's the thing. If a person is broken in their spirit and they look sad and they look down, they're going to have to do something about it. We'll all have to, we all need to do something about it. And so what will happen is we're either going to come to God and find healing in Him or we'll have to find it another way. And next time I speak on it, I want to speak on some of the ways people try to feel better about the bad pain a wounded spirit causes. And a lot of things can wound our spirit. And so if our spirit's wounded, it needs to find God. We need to find God. He's the only one that can heal it. There's any other place you can go. And no one can heal your spirit but God. No one. It's the only place you can go is to Him. And when we go to something else, it grieves His heart. It just breaks His heart that God of all hope, who would comfort us in all our afflictions, 
doesn't get a chance because we go somewhere else. And some of us are going other places, looking for other things. And whatever you find your comfort in becomes your idol. And idols hurt us. They harden us. They wound us even further. And somehow what happens is after you've had idols to comfort you and you've never found your life in God, it's your life just becomes bitter and empty and progressively drier. And look, I see that everywhere I go. And right now, I just know God is really wanting to touch us in our spirit, wanting to bring a great healing to broken hearts, a great healing into our spirit where we've been wounded and things have come against our life that have really hurt and damaged us. A merry heart, oh, it does good, like a medicine. Oh, like a medicine, brings life and strength and joy, but a broken spirit dryeth the bones. Let me just finish with one verse. I was going to get through more, but I didn't get through it all. I'll just stop here because it's just enough. I feel that's what God... I just want to finish with one last verse. I'll give you... Next time I'll have to give you the reasons why people get a wounded spirit. But let me just give you one verse that'll just... I want you to look at this. It's found in 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I want you to just see what the Bible says about God. I can feel, I can just feel the grief of God just suddenly, so I'm starting to talk about it. 2 Thessalonians. And here it is. In, in chapter 2, and the last two verses, 16 and 17. Here it is. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself, and God even our Father. Next Sunday, there'll be some of you will be in a Father's Day service, and you won't be happy there because you'll start to remember about your own dad and you'll start to remember things about your own dad and how he failed or what happened and you'll feel deeply wounded. You'll start to remember it. That's why, funny, everyone loves Mother's Day, but Father's Day, there's a confusion in people's hearts because of mixed feelings about a father. But notice what the Bible says. We have another father now. When we come to Christ, when we give our life to Jesus Christ, we now become connected to God. Now, notice what it says. What it says, now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which has loved us. God wants to comfort you because he loves you. He wants to touch you where you're hurting because he loves you. He has loved us. How much did he love us? He sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross while we were rebellious against God. He has loved us. He loves us. He loves us. He loves us. You know, if you love someone, you, you don't really want to see them hurt and going through pain. You know, I think any one of you who's a parent, and a child is fall over and graze their knees and hurts themselves, you know what you want to do? You want to run around and you pick them up and you hold them and you let them cry. And then you tell them it's going to be all okay. It's going to be all all right. You're going to be better. You don't tell them that straight away. You usually tell them after a little bit. When someone's in pain, you go to them and hug them and you cry with them for a little bit. When they have a chance to share their feelings, then you tell them it's going to be okay. You comfort them and give hope to them. So this is what the Bible says about God. It says God has loved us. He's loved us. He still loves us. I can feel his love here. And, and he has given us an everlasting comfort and good hope through grace. May he comfort your heart so you are established in every good word and work. Notice the two things God gives us. He gives us comfort and he gives us hope. I don't know what you've been through, what kind of trauma you've been through, what sort of painful situation you've been through. I don't know what's happening in your heart, but this would be a good season over the next week to begin to look to the Lord 
and begin to ask him to show the areas where your life has been wounded. Ask him to show you. Next time I speak on this, I'll share with you the doorways through which our spirit becomes wounded. And we'll also share with you how God helps us. The Bible says he has two things. Number one, comfort. He comes alongside us. He assures us he'll never leave us. He validates our feelings. He enables us to weep and cry and express our feelings. And then he offers hope and healing. See, God can heal your spirit because he is a spirit. There's no person in the medical fraternity can heal your spirit. Only God can heal your spirit. And if your spirit has been wounded, if you know inside you there's a dryness and emptiness, and you know inside it's not going well, then something's wrong. Listen to the voice of your inner man. Ask God, what is wrong, Lord? You know, over the last two or three weeks, as I've just spent time worshiping the Lord, every day I spend time with him, I feel him come in, and I just want to weep and weep and weep. So I feel his presence, and I feel his comfort. Let me just finish. One of the most important things that God does to comfort us is he comes near to us if we will come near to him. I remember when my, when my mother died and uh, I had to just kind of, you know, it was a shock she died. And I went to the funeral and, you know, you're trying to hold yourself together through all the funeral. But inside you're grieving. Inside you're going through pain. Outside you got it all together. You know the kind of world we're talking about? That's where a lot of people live all the time. Inside, they're crying and broken and wounded. Outside, they're trying to hold it together. And then the guy who, who was my, one of my first pastors came and he, he, he just was there as we, you know, we go to the church and we're carrying you know, the casket and, and going through the grief, the reality of it's sort of there now and you've got all the emotions of it. And then my pastor, his name was uh, Duncan Graham, and he, but he was just there. He was the first man I saw when I went out the door. Now, I'd been real good until that point. And then I lost it at that point. And I realized why. I thought about it afterwards. And I thought, he was there at the time I needed a comforter. And that's what God's like. He didn't say a word. He didn't say anything to me. There's not much you can say. You just are there for the person. And that's how God comforts us. He comes near to us. But if we turn to an idol, if we turn to something else in our pain, and God has to stay back until we decide to repent. I believe God is wanting to touch all of us about the idols of our heart, the things we've turned to when we've been in pain, that we might turn away from them and turn to the living God who comforts us and offers hope for a great new day.